Wonderful, friends. It's been incredible on this journey that we've been on. Um, I've absolutely loved it, as always. Um, you know, I love Outlook Church right in the very beginning. We, we said that we're a real church for a real world, right? And we live in a real world. And a real world grapples with stuff. And I'm going to be vulnerable with you this morning as I'm grappling with stuff, even this morning. Even this morning in worship. I'm grappling and I'm wrestling. And God's got me on a journey and I trust God's got you on a journey. And I trust that we're our journey, friends, in our togetherness and in our individuality is we are moving from this place over here where there are strongholds in lives that we have to fight. But thank goodness our fight is not in our flesh, right? Our fight is in Jesus, with Jesus. And our journey is not to camp there, but it's to move across to this place where we find Jesus as our stronghold. Right, Marion? Amen. And so I trust that you've enjoyed the journey, friends. The last couple of weeks, we've had some real preachers. Not that any other preachers haven't been real, but they've been real stories. Stories about people sharing about substance abuse, sharing about rejection, and sharing about racism. And they've challenged me, and I trust they've challenged you. And this morning, friends, I want to share another stronghold, and that's the stronghold of fear. What I've realized, friends, is that fear can get hold of you, and it, rub, it robs you of today's joy. Because what happens, friends, is when, when fear starts to grip your heart and starts to grip hold of your thoughts and your mind, is you're not thinking about today, but you're thinking about some future date, whenever that might be. And you forget about enjoying today, and you forget about living in today. And you fear something that may come. I want to qualify this morning, friends, to say that to experience fear is not sinful. It's not. There is good fear, right? If you go walking in the bush, is it a good thing to be fearful of a black mamba? I don't know about you, but when I look at a black mamba, man, that thing just puts fear in my heart. It just looks mean. It is a good thing, friends, to be fearful of a black mamba. It's like, it's like having barriers on the side of the road. What is not good, friends, is for us to set up a camp and live in a place of fear. We know Jesus is our good shepherd, right? And he says that he leads us through things. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us in places, but he leads us through things. And so I would love for you to join me this morning on a little bit of a Bible study and a little bit of a journey. And as much as I'm speaking to you right now, I'm speaking to myself as well. And I trust that some of what I might share might be helpful to you. So let's pray, and then we'll get stuck right in. So Father, I thank you for your word. I'm reminded often, Father, that Hebrews tells us is that your word is like a two-edged sword. Comes to divide, comes to prune, comes to cut, not so that there is hurt, but so that there is healing. And I pray this morning, Father, as your word speaks over lives this morning, would it go to work? It is enabled, it is anointed, not because of me this morning or because of anybody else that preaches, but your word is anointed, it is powerful, it creates. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the spirit of truth 
that you are the teacher this morning. Come and teach us, we pray. Our job, friends, is to be that good soil that receives. That thing Jesus cannot do for us. That thing the Holy Spirit cannot do for us. And so I pray, as my heart is open to receive this morning, that your heart would be open to receive this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So friends, as I have been prepping for this, because the way these things work is we sit together as a preaching team and we sort of draw a journey of what we're on or where we would like to go. And obviously every Sunday there's a subject and, and, and people get allocated subjects. That's how this thing works. And so you have a bit of time to think a little bit about, well, what is it that you're going to say? And what is, what is the testimony and what is the story and, and, and how do you connect? And as I've sat thinking about this, I've thought to myself, well, actually, you know, um, I don't consider myself to be a fearful person. I don't consider myself to wake up in the morning and worry too much. There are many worries, don't get me wrong, but I don't find myself fretting over stuff. I don't find myself being anxious. And so I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> the guys going leading in the weeks ahead had some real stories to tell. And so I thought, well, let me go to someone who can help me see something. And so you go to that person in your life that knows you the best. And for me, that person is my wife, Nikki. And so I went to her and I said, babes, help me. Now that's a dangerous <laughs> question to ask. It's a vulnerable question to ask. Because the people that know you best see your blind spots. True? You're oblivious to blind spots because you're blind to them. But the people that know you best, that walk life with you, friends, they can be your wife, it can be your, 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 your siblings, it can be your best friend, it can be whoever, they see you. And so like, so Nikki said, listen, you might not be a fearful person, but there is this one thing. There is this one thing that I see in your life. And she began to, friends, to speak to me about something that that I knew of, but I was choosing to turn a blind eye to. You see, so often, friends, we're not fearful of stuff, but we're fearful of certain events, something that may happen or may not happen. But what happens, friends, is that thing tends to grab hold of you. It can be your loss of health. It can be a loss of a friend. It can be the loss of your job. It can be the loss of a relationship, friends. And that thing gets hold of you, and it begins to shape and to mold you. As I said before, it begins to rob you, friends, of joy. The best way I can describe it in my own life is I find that I, fear, I, I, I sometimes go to a place of living in trepidation. In trepidation. It's that, well, something is going to happen. It's inevitable. Something is going to happen at work. Something is going to happen here. And it's based on rationale and it's based on logic, but it's all in the head, friends. And it begins to shape and to mold you. Having recognized this in my own life, 
I'm currently, and I say currently, friends, working out my repentance on this. I'm not standing here as someone who has got the t-shirt, but maybe like many of us here this morning, are trying to wrestle with real things and trying to work out our repentance. Your story may be different to mine. Your fear may be different to mine, friends. But I believe what is common to all of us, and that's what we celebrated this morning, is that Jesus overcame on the cross. Love to hear an amen. Jesus overcame on the cross, friends. And this side of the cross, we get to live in freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, For freedom's sake, we have been set free, friends. For freedom's sake, we have been set free. At the cross, Jesus set us free. Set us free of many things. Set us up, friends, to live in freedom. And so it's your duty, it's my duty, friends, for us to stay in that place of freedom. And so I'd love to just mention a couple of things about what the Bible says about fear. If you go and begin to research this, you begin to realize that flip, the Bible says a lot about fear. So it's a broad subject. There is a lot that can be said. So I just want to mention a couple of things, friends, and then hopefully give us a couple of handles about how we can overcome fear. First thing I'd love to mention is that fear will try to redefine your life one lie at a time. Fear will try to redefine your life one lie at a time, friends. Genesis 3 verse 10, if we read about the story of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3 verse 10, a bit of a context is that Satan has come and he has lied to Adam and Eve. He has caused them to doubt. He has caused them to do something that they shouldn't have done, that they were instructed not to do. And we pick it up when Jesus or the Lord comes looking for them. Adam says this, I heard you walking in the garden, Genesis 3 verse 10. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. One of the first emotions, friends, I went and tried to, well, I went and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And there are no emotions as such that are specifically mentioned. This is the first emotion that is mentioned in the Bible, and it's the, it's, it's the emotion of fear. You see, at this point, God had not changed, friends. But Adam and Eve's reality had changed. Adam had changed. And in response, friends, to that change, Adam found himself hiding. He found himself fearful. He even says, I am afraid. And that's what, that's what fear does, friends, is it begins to redefine. You see, prior to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve knew nothing about nakedness. The concept of nakedness did not exist. The fact that they themselves were naked was not within their understanding. But yet, friends, a different reality got introduced. And you find Adam being defined. You find Eve being redefined because of that reality, friends. And that's what fear does. It's a lie. 
It's a lie that Satan comes and wants to convince you about. Is your reality. When in fact it's a false reality, friends. But the problem is we find ourselves responding to that. The second thing I'd love to mention is that fear is deposed through faith. Fear is deposed by faith. When something is deposed, friends, it means it is kicked off the throne. Something that had authority gets deposed. Something that, had a, that was a stronghold gets deposed. It gets destroyed, friends. And so often, friends, we want to react with the, I was reminded of this cartoon character. Have you guys ever watched Johnny Bravo? You've obviously watched Johnny Bravo. You know? Here's a guy, surely Johnny Bravo is fearless, you know? Big chest, beat the chest, Johnny Bravo. No. Fear is not deposed, friends, by being brave or putting on a persona of bravado. Fear is deposed through faith, friends. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a fear of, of, of sorry, a spirit of fear and timidity. I want to stop there, friends. We need to hear clearly this morning. God has not given you the spirit of fear. So when you begin to allow that to settle in your heart, friends, you begin to hopefully understand, well, if that has not come from God, then where else has it come from? Help me, Denim. If it hasn't come from God, then where else has it come from? From? Satan. 100%. So if it's come from Satan, do you think it's for your good? No. Because what does the Bible tell us? Satan's intent is, friends. To kill, steal, and destroy. So let me state the obvious. That is not God's intent for your life. It is not God's intent for my life. It is not God's intent for that context or that situation that you're fearful in. God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what has he given us, friends? Well, Paul carries on to write. He says he's given us power, love, and self-discipline, the NLT version says. The NIV version refers to a sound mind. God has given us power, love, and self-discipline, or self-mind. He does not give us, friends, a spirit of fear. God is not moved and he does not move us through fear. God is moved by love. And he leads and moves us, friends, through love. So if God doesn't give us that, the spirit of fear, what does he give us? Well, I'd love to say, friends, that God gives us, he extends us an invitation. He extends us an invitation. If we are living at this place where there is a stronghold that needs to be broken, can I tell you, God's giving you an invitation to journey with him. He's given you love. He's given you strength. 
He's given you the ability to reason where you find Jesus as your stronghold. And friends, that's exactly that's why I said Satan comes to lie to us. He comes to put thoughts in our head that want to keep us at that place. God says, no. Your journey of redemption, not just salvation, your journey of redemption. Remember, we are saved, we find Jesus as Savior, and we make him as Lord. We find him as Savior in this place, and we acknowledge, Lord, that we are not in the place where we need to be. So help me to make you Lord in my life. And that, friends, is the journey to this point over here. It's an invitation to you and our friends. Come walk with me. Come journey with me. Come learn a bit more about me. Come and understand who I am. And hopefully begin to understand who you are in me. And then this one, friends, I slotted in this morning. What does the Bible say about how we live? Well, we don't live fearless, but Jesus teaches friends that we live peaceful. We don't live fearless, but we live peaceful. You'll say, ah, Quentin, but that's the same thing. Yeah, I might agree with you that it's the same thing, but you know what? The journey to get there is not the same. Because you see, to try and live fearless in the flesh, in the flesh friends, because I've done this and I do this, is for me to beat my chest and tell me that I'm brave. And guess what I'm doing? I'm focusing on the wrong thing all the time. What's that word? Ruminate. Ruminate. You know when you play that movie clip in your head over and over again? You ever done that? That's called ruminating, friends. So when I in the flesh beat my chest, guess what? I'm thinking about the wrong thing. And because I'm thinking about the wrong thing, guess where I stay, friends? I stay encamped in the wrong place. Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Friends, the peace of God, the peace of Jesus, flows from a life that is submitted and surrendered under Jesus. Because Jesus says, I will gift you peace. I will give you peace. Peace is your portion. Have it. Now we know, friends, just to add in that peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is part of this journey that we're on, moving from that place to this place. So we don't live fearless, but we live peaceful, friends. We receive what Jesus gives us. So quickly, how do we overcome then a stronghold of fear? How do we overcome? If we're, if, if we're wrestling with this thing like I'm wrestling with this thing, how do we overcome, friends, a stronghold of fear? Well, I felt God say, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. 
You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yes, you can try and flesh this thing out, and you can be brave, and you can say, I've got courage. But all you're succeeding in doing is bringing a knife to a gunfight, friends. Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And guess what? You yourself are flesh and blood. So you do not fight yourself. You do not fight what is going on in your head. You do not fight what is going on in your heart. Our fight is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is the true fight, friends, that you and I fight in these situations. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5, it says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. Friends, that text Paul is speaking into, is he speaking into a context, friends, where some people within the church were starting to rise up. But you know what I've seen in my own life, if I'm vulnerable once again with you, is that I have voices in my head that tend to rise up, friends. And so that exact same truth applies. We take captive. We make it obedient to God. We say, you have no power. You have no authority. The fight is real. So what are the, what are the four things? I just jotted down four things here. Some of them you'll say, well, I know this. Glad, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. First thing is, friends, firstly, we need to consciously remind ourselves that God is a God of love. And that he values us. Jesus teaching in a context, into a context, friends, in Matthew 6, 26. Where people were beginning, were beginning to question the love of God. Because they were battling with provision. In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says this, look at the birds. They don't harvest, they don't store or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't they more valuable? That didn't sound right, did it? Aren't you, hello, more valuable than they are? Sorry, I'm getting myself confused. Aren't you, friends, more valuable than they are? Sir, ma'am, can I remind you this morning that you are valuable to our Lord Jesus? I know there are folk here that need to hear this this morning. You are valuable and God loves you. You are valuable and God loves you. Friends, secondly, very practical, we need to choose to trust God, friends, when you, fear, when you, when you feel that fear wants to grip Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Can I say again? Lean not on your own understanding. Can I say again? Lean not on your own understanding. You get where I'm going with that? That movie clip? 
lean not on that. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I found so often, friends, in our walk with the Lord, that so much of what we desire, we receive. How can I express this? As a consequence of something else. So much of what we desire, friends, we receive not by pursuing what we desire, but by pursuing Jesus. And as you pursue Jesus, friends, as you make him your main pursuit, instead of pursuing this thing that you feel you need to overcome or pursuing this whatever it is, as, as you pursue Jesus, friends, you look back. And guess what? You look back with 20-20 vision because you begin to see scriptures like this outworking itself as we make Jesus our focus. Handle number three is we need to grow a good fear and an understanding of God, friends. When you go and read your Bible, you see the Bible speaks about two different types of fear. The fear of something, fear of man, fear of death, fear of ill health, fear of loss, fear of whatever the case is. And you see the Bible speak a lot about the fear of God, friends. Can I say it's that fear that we need to be pursuing. Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We need to learn to replace our fears with the reverential fear of God. A biblical and healthy understanding, friends, of who God is and who God is to you. You read the Psalms and you'll see there are many, and I mean many Psalms, friends. I mean, that's just one of them that speaks about knowing Jesus as our stronghold. But if you go and read those Psalms, there are as many that speak about God who is a holy God, who is an awesome God, who is a magnificent and all-powerful God, who requires and desires, friends, that we fall on our face to worship him in his magnificence. Let's learn to replace fears with, an under, with a good fear of God, friends. And then finally, if we can stand. Is we need to make good choices. We need to make good choices. So much of how we live our lives, friends, flows from the choices we make. Can I encourage you this morning? Choose wisely and choose well. 1 Peter 5 verse 67, it says, So humble yourselves under the might and the power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares 
for you. So I'd love to read this scripture. Because I want you to be real with yourself this morning, church. You know, we can, we can put on the masks and we can live a near Christianity. But I'll tell you now, that's not what Jesus desires. So right now, right now there is a fear that you might be holding on to. Right now there is a fear that has gripped your life, that has gripped your heart. But can I tell you, friends, right now there is the power of Jesus that is accessible to you and I to break and demolish that this morning. And so I want to read the scripture just as a conclusion and as a prayer. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. If you're comfortable, won't you just raise your palms or raise your hands just with your palm up? I felt just as I was preparing for this that there was going to be literally a transference this morning. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, would you come? You said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we stand this morning, honest with ourselves, hearing your word, hopefully being prompted by the Holy Spirit this morning, we choose to give you that that we were never called to carry. Thank you that you take it gladly, Jesus. And this morning we re- choose, and this morning we receive from you that that your word says is our portion. Help us to receive well this morning. And help us to continue in our journey of becoming more and more like you. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.